Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey folks, it's Matt Zachary, and welcome to Vax On, a weekly segment of my podcast, Out of Patience, right here on the Offscript Media Network. Hey, I'm Alora Nanos. I'm a lawyer, a journalist, a mom of a teenage narcoleptic, and a professional big mouth. Lou and I go back 30 years as best friends, and we're here to have fun and bring you a layperson's guide to what the hell just happened this week in healthcare as America gets its vax on and shows COVID the door. Matt gets me. He knows I'm tired, annoyed, and sometimes pushed to the brink by the intense chaos of our lives right now. We're here together to learn, complain, and include you in the conversation. So join us on Twitter at VaxOnPod and share your stories and grievances using the hashtag VaxOn. Conspiracy theorists and haters shall be neutralized on site. All right, Matt, let's get at it. Andrew, it's time for VaxOn and you are back with me. It is spectacular to be Vaxon, Vaxon with you. <laughs> I love this. And we're doing this not with Matt today. It's going to be just the two of us. And it's, you know, very intimate. Yes, it's, it's, it's intimate. And, you know, I feel like, you know, our rock is, uh, is somehow very, very far away, off in Turks and Caicos, perhaps. Yes, he's taking his vaccation. It's amazing. Congratulations to you, Matt. Yeah, the pictures look great. Looks like everyone's having a good time and not a mask in sight. I got a picture of them in a dune buggy. A dune buggy. Yeah, I don't. I, I I assume they survived. That sounds very adventurous for our friend Matt. It's true. It's true. He's striking out. <laughs> I'm in fact not in a dune buggy at all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm surrounded by pillows in uh, the guest room of my in-laws' house in Lutherville, Maryland. You know, I have a question. So you're on, you know, uh, like a family vacation situation. That's right. Are you seeing a difference in COVID protocols in Maryland? At this point, I would have to say no. I, I think that essentially when I walk into a business now, I do still look around and see whether or not my masklessness is acceptable. Yeah, me uh, too. Right. You look and you kind of like read the room with the masks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Read the room. Read the room. Very important to do, no matter what it's associated with. But you know, there's all there's also helpful signs, right? Um, masks are required for people who are not yet fully vaccinated, uh, and so on and so forth. But I think it's it's quite similar in New York to what I am finding in Maryland. That's good to know. I, I'm about to learn, you know, how society feels about COVID right now. Um, mm. It's very interesting. So, as you may know from talking before and listening to every episode of Vaxon, uh, right. I play in a symphony orchestra. And we, of course, have been on hiatus for, you know, 18 months. 
And we just recently came back and started performing again, which is awesome. So we did the sort of safest and most acceptable thing to, you know, the masses, which was we had free outdoor performances, which is great. Except Mm. we have a performance tomorrow and the forecast is total garbage. (laughs) So we're like, shit, like we have to move this huge concert, which likely would have drawn uh, probably somewhere around a thousand to fifteen hundred people. That's oh, like no, yeah. So now we're moving it back to the place we normally perform, which is inside in a concert hall. However, the whole thing was envisioned to be totally COVID safe. You know, not really concern anyone because you're outside with lots of room to spread out. So now we're forced to go inside, but because it's free and it doesn't require ticketing, we have no way of knowing who is going to come. Oh my goodness! Yeah, this is so, fascinating. It's 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 a great, big, beautiful uh, experiment. It is. You really and, are about to find out, right? Like if people care or not. Yeah, yeah. And um, and it's it's really interesting because you know we plan to do this outside, so of course to quickly move it inside required all kinds of logistical planning. And then it was sort of like the last step that we said, "Oh my God, I, I, do we have to have any COVID protocols or anything?" And, and you know what's really funny is that uh, I'm used to dealing with local municipalities and planning rehearsals and things like that. So I already had to plan uh, for the fire code and I had to give our COVID protocols for rehearsals that are coming up in the future. But because this concert is being rescheduled at the very last minute to be inside, no one asked me for anything like that. Mm-hmm. So it was sort of like, when you have time to plan, we're going to be really careful COVID-wise. But when it's an emergency... Eh, just do whatever. <laughs> Which, I mean, makes me a little uncomfortable, but I, I mean, and I have no idea how to handle this and I have no idea what to expect. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what does the audience look like? Are they masked? Do, do people sit five seats away from each other? Are they going to expect us to do anything? Do we have to take their temperature? Like, I have no idea, but um, I'm going to find out within the next, you know, 36 hours. So the performance happens in uh, tomorrow evening, I guess. Yeah. And and so let's 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 set our baseline statistics right here in this episode. Oh. You were anticipating a little more than one thousand people. Yeah, about a thousand people. Right. And so we are going to see how many people show up at this at this uh, performance. The new venue. How many people can it hold? It holds thirteen hundred people. Okay. And then a hundred people on the stage. Okay. So we'll I mean, that's a lot of people, but it's not a huge place. So, you know, it's a regular auditorium. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll see. And it'll be really interesting. I suspect there will be a lot of uh chaos as audience members enter, but we're a volunteer organization and we don't really have staff members to field these concerns. Mm. I don't know what's gonna happen. They're gonna have to figure it out. Well, I'm I'm sure that you will issue a full report for us next week. A full report. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Yes, indeed. And what's happening with you? You're on vacation, um, on a working vacation. That's right. A working vacation this week. Next week, I will be out of pocket camping with my family on Assateague Island, I an island uh, on the Atlantic coast that on which since the 1600s, wild horses have lived. And and they cannot drag you away. <laughs> they can't. <laughs> they can't. Um, and Bono wants to know who's going to ride them exactly. and so on. Who is going to ride them? Yeah. Who? The he wants to know. 
I cannot wait to hear about it. I am insanely jealous. Um, I am hoping to have the same vacation, you know, the Andrew McDowell memorial vacation. <laughs> no, not memorial. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? The commemorative, the, the Andrew McDowell like commemorative Assateague vacation. Um, I would like I would like to have the same vacation in um, when it's not so freaking hot outside. I'll provide a a bit of a report as to as to how it went um, at my next opportunity. The next yes, time I cannot uh, wait. I join you. But, you know, we have to get started on our like real stories here. Yes. Let's talk about the vaccination of the nation. I'm going to level with you. I'm here to report that I was wrong. <laughs> I will admit it. What were you wrong about? So I had said in a past episode that New Jersey was still offering a remote school option next year. Mm -hmm. And the reason I said that is because that is what I heard from my district like maybe a couple of months ago. I remember some sort of official word coming out where they said, we've decided we're going to still offer the remote option next year. As it turns out, I missed an executive order by the New Jersey governor, Phil Murphy, who actually said that we are not offering remote options in the entire state next year, that that is not going to be a widespread option where you can just decide to opt out of school. Right. And I think that that's very interesting because my understanding was that the district had originally decided to keep this remote option live because they felt that it really worked well for certain students, especially students with medical needs or learning needs, not even really exactly because of COVID, but that it just sort of worked better. And they acknowledged that some people still had a lot of fear about COVID and they were kind of like, listen, it, it's working fairly well. Let's just continue to allow this as a possibility for whoever wants it. And now the governor has said, nope, even if you think it's a good idea, you're not allowed to do it. Yeah, that's a big deal. And it obviously is extremely challenging for teachers to provide for the hybrid model. Uh, and I'm sure that that consideration alone is what led them to eliminate the option, even for people who were having experiences that are unrelated to COVID-19. Yeah. And I just think, I, mean, I, I totally agree. I mean, the I, I have seen teachers try to teach remotely and as good of a job as many of them are doing, it's really hard. It takes a lot of effort. And in certain kinds of things, like particularly art class, music class, gym class, um, the, the end result is really not good compared to what it would be live. <laughs> gym and class is hilarious. Yeah. Hilarious. My children were slamming themselves against the wall in their bedrooms. <laughs> <laughs> I came upstairs screaming at them, like, what the hell are you guys doing up here? And they were like, we're doing Tabata in gym it's today. It's gym. It's just gym. I, I was like terrified of what I was going to find in there. And it turns out it was gym class. <laughs> but it was really funny, actually. You know, so I get thinking, you know, that live really needs to be the main thing. But I'm really interested in in how this came about and what the thought process is uh, in terms of essentially telling a district you're not even allowed to offer it. Right. You know, and how do they think it's going to go over? Do, you know, did they feel that parents would have opted to keep their kids remote even though it's not necessary? Like, was that the fear? I don't know. It seems that way. You know, and one of the points that I wanted to that, that I kind of regretted not raising during last week's episode related to this topic is that, you know, I think Matt and I are in, in of two different minds when it comes to this. 
because we are talking about the set of the, the people in our population who cannot currently be vaccinated. Yeah, and that makes it different. Right. Now, by next year, most people think that we will have had the opportunity to vaccinate kids under 12. The anticipation is that Pfizer, I believe Moderna, has also made a similar announcement that they'll be offering up data and filing for emergency use with the FDA by September. Next year, it seems reasonable to make this type of an announcement. But for people who are upset about the fact that the rest of society has opened up, and yet during the final months of this recent school year, the schools didn't open up, my thinking is that we do have these variants out there. And so data that we collected on infections among children leading up to this point isn't necessarily as dependable as we'd like it to be, particularly when we're actually seeing a lot of new infections taking place in countries like Israel and Scotland. These are two of the countries that have provided data about the Delta variant appearing in kids between the ages of 5 and 12. Now, of course, those kids are, are people who are spreading the virus more than they are people who are experiencing severe symptoms. Sure, but spreading the virus is still a big deal. Of course it is. Yeah, of yeah. Of course it is. Even though the people who, the adults who are going to be catching COVID-19 at this point are by and large people who have decided not to get vaccinated, I'm, I'm told, I'm told that, uh, that, those, that they are still people, even if they are foolish. <laughs> I'm being I told mean, by my producer that uh, <laughs> that they still count as humans. That uh, people who choose not to be vaccinated still count as humans. Right. We still uh, probably would like it if they didn't die. And even even though they don't believe they're in danger, we should still attempt to protect them. Right. Certainly, legally speaking, that's one of always the most difficult challenges when it comes to legislating, which is and any kind of rulemaking to say how far do we go to protecting people who just don't want to be protected from anything. And, yeah. and it's always a tough call to be making rules to benefit a group of people who simply don't want to be benefited. Yes. That's always difficult to strike the right balance. And people have very valid but very divergent views about how to do that. Yeah. The calculus has changed now that most people in the United States anyway, uh, I, think we're, I think this applies ex almost exclusively to this country. But the calculus changed when vaccines became widely available, because prior to the availability of vaccines, it was not simply a matter of individual freedom, because if you chose to act in a way that made it more likely that you would catch and become a spreader of the virus, then you were not just endangering yourself, you were endangering right. other people. Right. So, so we can't just make the rules as if it only affects you because it affects everyone. Right. But right, now that's so. changed a bit because like sort of everyone or at least generally many people are vaccinated. So, I mean, I th it makes it really confusing. I'm very glad that I'm not in charge of making these rules. Oh, my goodness. Me too. There's no good answer that's going to make everyone happy. Um, so and, and politicians really, you know, are supposed to make people happy so that they get reelected. My understanding is that's their only job is to make people like them. Um, and this seems impossible. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 it, it it is so difficult to um to not look back with regret and think about how things might have been different. Yeah, you can't have regrets. This is a no regret zone. Yes, it's true. I only regret that I said the wrong thing about New Jersey last time <laughs> because I had no, apparently I just missed it when the governor uh, told us that 
my school district was wrong. When was this announcement made? Was this made the week before last? It, it was made in May, I think. Like it was in late in May. May. Yeah, okay. I think it was made in late May. And I just didn't notice it because I was just operating on what came from my district, which came, I think, probably in April. And we actually, the other thing that's interesting is my district just sent out their plan for September for school. And they already told us that everyone is going to have to wear masks, which- mm which I hate, not because it's not safe. Like, yes, it's a great way to protect people. I really just hate the idea of kids being in school in masks all day. But I'm going to go out and say, you know, they're they're mitigating the risk and that's very important and very good. Um, I wonder though, if it's sort of early for them to be making that type of blanket rule because they may find in September, hey, you know, it turns out that 90% of our student body has been vaccinated. If you're talking about a middle school where, you know, kids are mainly 12 and up. Right. Um, or certainly high schools where everyone is 12 and up. So I, I wonder if, even though they've already announced this, if it is going to change before school even starts or if it's going to change after school starts. Because this was the case during COVID that the school district kept coming out with plans and then they would be like, never mind, not that plan. Here's a different plan. And they would drive us absolutely bananas with a zillion emails that contradicted each other. Um, I sort of feel like, why didn't you just tell me what we're going to do like the week before school starts? You don't need to tell me now. <laughs> I already have masks. I don't need to order more. Thank you for giving me an update, but I don't need to know every incremental thought that the superintendent has in his head. Thanks, though. <laughs> yeah, the, the the school board, they're, a, uh, they're, they're like a child who just keeps on coming in and uh, interrupting you while you're trying to get work yes, done. Yes, right. Like I'm trying to have my summer and they're like, by the way, masks. Oh, and by the way, and we're going to sit six feet apart. And I'm like, shut up. I'm having my summer. <laughs> so I'm trying not to think about you people in school. You know, by the way, I, I will tell you that uh, when you brought up the idea of kids going into school with masks on, uh, you know, the relaxation of of the presence of masks has in one way or another led to both of my kids having the sniffles for the first time in Ugh, 16 months. That sucks. You know? Yeah. I I, I missed the mask for that reason. It Did was nice to that. not worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. That was an interesting side effect, right? That you became very, I, I know I became hyper aware of my health. And then I realized that I didn't get sick at all. And then anytime I felt slightly off, I, I was so focused on it that I realized like, hey, I really do have seasonal allergies or I, you know, I was able to kind of figure out what was going on with me because I was sure it wasn't a virus because I was in the house for 18 months. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, that, that sucks. I hope they feel better soon. Andrew, I have... A crazy second segment right now. This is one of those, I had no idea this was going on. And holy shit, this is what's happening outside the US stories. Mm. Tell me, what is this? What is going on outside of this country? Well, apparently people are climbing mountains. They're climbing Mount Everest. And there's like been COVID breakouts uh, like on Mount Everest. And Nepal, its government is denying all knowledge of it despite the fact that all of these mountain climbers are coming down with COVID. What on earth? I know, right? Apparently, there was a Sherpa, and I'm, I'm very confused. I, I don't know uh, Sherpa terminology all that well. I thought Sherpa was a noun, but apparently also it's this guy's name. 
Okay. Um, yeah, I looked it up. I'm confused, but there it is. You, you can work that out. Um, but this guy, Mr. Sherpa, he was in charge of helping some prince climb the mountain. And this is like a huge billion dollar industry where rich people hire Sherpas to take them up the mountain. This is like a life that I don't have at all. So, but apparently what was happening was there's all these um, small mountain climbing groups and companies that arrange these tours. And what has happened is there were COVID outbreaks among the tour guides and the Sherpas. And it became almost like a, like a super spreader, which is, you know, thinking about a small mountain climbing group is pretty much the last context you would ever imagine would become a super spreader event. But that's what it seems like happened. And the Nepal government is acting like it, it didn't really happen and they're denying it. That's wild. Yeah. And my initial reaction to hearing this is that how much more of an outdoor activity can you find? But right. then again, uh, in order to stay warm at night, the idea is to get into the tiniest space possible. And I'm sure that's where the spreading takes place. So, so Andrew, it turns out that the way people seem to be contracting COVID on these trips is at base camp because they all start there. And then someone has it at base camp, infects everyone else. Then they go up the mountain and find out that they're not feeling well when they're on the mountain. I see. That would be the way that it actually happened as opposed to the way that it happened in my mind. Exactly. Also, and the the Nepal government is saying things like, oh, you know, people always have a hard time breathing or it's just, you know, a regular sickness. It's not COVID. And it's it's very strange to me that they're minimizing this. But it's I also had no idea that tour guides going up Mount Everest was a billion dollar industry. Like, I just didn't know that that was happening. But apparently mm. that's happening. And it's a major income source for the country. So I understand why the government would would seek to protect it. It sounds like they're protecting it um, a bit much. Yeah, they're 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 adopting uh, Donald Trump's approach to yes. to responding to COVID uh, as a threat to your uh, economic health, uh, exactly. which is to lie. They thought, well, you know, uh, apparently everyone's bullshitting about COVID nineteen, so we can too. Yeah. However, I think that that approach is a bit played out at this point. And honestly, if we're being, you know, if we're being honest here, Sherpas on Mount Everest, like we're not on my bingo card for COVID deniers. Not like, on my list. Not like on my list. Those are not the people I'm thinking of. Um, and, and quite frankly, when stuff like this comes out, that people are doing the most outdoorsy uh, activity possible. It, it bugs me when this ends up being a way that they get COVID. I, I understand how it happened, but I just feel like, oh, that sucks. Like, it's not yeah. like they were at a, you know, birthday party indoors or anything like that. They were climbing a mountain, for God's sakes. You'd think yeah, you that know, they'd have uh, other- Laura, influence. I'm with you. I'm, I'm frankly starting to become a bit annoyed with COVID-19. <laughs> yes. And, and, you know, to be fair, this is why I don't climb mountains. <laughs> yes. You and, you and Matt are in the same camp on that, right? Like, whenever I complain of some sort of a- uh, discomfort that I'm experiencing as a result of riding my bike or <laughs> running. Yes, Matt we're says, inside people. Know, yeah, yeah. Don't don't exercise and you won't get hurt. Yes, exactly. I mean, I, I have discovered the outdoors during COVID. I became an avid kayaker yes. um, and an avid walker. Uh, and I have all of the physical problems <laughs> as a result of 18 months of doing physical activity. So for the next 18 months, I may go back to sitting on my couch and uh, making sourdough bread. <laughs> I love it. And I love I, I love that that this man's last name is Sherpa. I believe I recall 
that this work is something that does get passed on from generation to generation. And I wouldn't oh. be surprised if that extends to the act of, of, of naming. It's like um, the Sherpa family, and then they're all Sherpas? Yeah. I, I'm not a source of information on this, but I- I, I think it, I like saying Sherpa. Yeah. It it it, it connects you to uh, to people that you know who Cooper for instance a Cooper is is a is a, is a wooden barrel maker people people were once named after their their ways of life it's the uh, etymology so. hour with Dr. Andrew McDowell <laughs> <laughs> that's right you know what that means for me yeah your your name would be too long wouldn't it or Laura so uh, my name was a misprint and um there it is <laughs> that's how I got it <laughs> I love it <laughs> Anyway, on that note, uh, here's some ads. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, so we're back. And uh, Andrew, you said the word before. You said Trump. So I thought I'd pick up on that and just tell you what's going on in the world of shit shows left behind by Donald Trump. Yes. Uh, and, 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 you know, we say that lovingly. Loving that Do he's gone. Donald, Donald Trump is also a human. <laughs> Theoretically. So with as much respect as we can possibly conjure, let's, <laughs> let's, let's talk about uh, one of the 12 billion shit shows left behind by the Trump administration. Yes. So, um, and, and, and to be fair, this really isn't uh, anything that it sounds like Trump did that was so terrible. Um, there are about 4,000 federal prisoners who were mass released last year. They were nonviolent offenders and they were released from prison because prisons were especially dangerous for the spread of COVID-19, especially in the early part of the pandemic when it just there seemed like there was no way whatsoever to contain it. So a lot of these nonviolent offenders were released. They were still mm -hmm. on home confinement. And now the worst of the pandemic is behind us. And we got to figure out what to do with these people because it's no longer that urgent emergency period. So do these people have to go back to prison? Oh, my goodness. 
That is a challenge. It is. And, and you know, there's a lot going on politically because Joe Biden has a long sort of um, storied history with criminal justice reform. So there's a lot of people who are looking to any criminal justice reform type issue to sort of force Biden to live up to many of the promises he has made currently. Um, but at the same time, you know, if if the reason these people were released from prison was because there was an emergent medical risk, once the risk is passed, it doesn't really make sense to let them stay out. Um, no, it you know, doesn't. And it's, it, it really doesn't. It's not logical. At the same time, we all know that the reason why this group of people was let out is because they were nonviolent offenders to begin with, and probably many of them didn't belong in prison in the first place. Yeah, there there certainly is an urge for people who, like me, frankly, uh, feel that there are far too many people incarcerated in this country and that there are far too many ways in which one can get incarcerated in this country. There'd be a feel-good uh, quality to allowing people who are out for this reason to simply stay out. Um but one must be consistent. Why should they be allowed to stay out of prison when many thousands of other people who meet exactly the same criteria would be required to stay, having never left? Andrew, did you just ask for the federal criminal prison system to be consistent? I did. <laughs> I mean, it's that's a reasonable not exactly request. I know it's challenging to implement. <laughs> That's sort of like the foundation of the criminal justice system is that it is utterly inconsistent. But, yes. <laughs> but I mean, it, it is a difficult problem because on one hand, if the need is gone, then, you know, I guess these people should go back. But really, on the other hand, we sort of all know that if anybody was really scared of these people and feeling like they needed to be confined, we would never have let them out COVID or no COVID. It's not like they let murderers out. So, you know, it's, I think it's difficult to grapple with it and it's going to be a political um, kind of grenade for, uh, for Biden because, you know, at, at the end of the day, he's out there proclaiming how important criminal justice reform is. And this is sort of like a, a test case of 4,000 people who were released and they didn't cause any problems while they were out. So maybe just leave them out. Who knows? Yeah, I suppose there are two moves. Uh, one is to say, uh, announce late on a Friday that they're all going to be returned to prison. Uh, the other more creative approach would be to say that uh, they're going to go through a, a process, uh, perhaps an adaptation of, of the parole process uh, that will allow them to apply to continue home confinement uh, and that there will be a further tranche of tranche. prisoners uh, who are allowed to do the same thing in on on future dates and in future waves? In some ways, the logic is very similar to the logic of many companies who never had work from home before, and now because of COVID, they were forced to have you know uh, remote working, and now they're continuing it because it's just more efficient. So, I mean, in this situation, if you have these people who are nonviolent offenders who have been on home confinement, you know, they're not just out like living their regular lives; they're on right. home confinement. They're using the electricity and the and the shelter and and everything in the place where they're living, and they're not draining the federal budget for this stuff. And it's still keeping them, you know, essentially away from society and not causing problems. Um, you know, is it so bad for them to be there? And I, I personally am not somebody that that applauds uh, prison 
for the purposes just of retribution. I mean, I, I prison is necessary to keep bad people out of society, but um, you know, the idea that people just society feels good for having people locked up to me is not um, persuasive. So, you know, I'm all for the the practical way of handling these people. I like what you brought up about the notion of allowing society to benefit from what we've learned from the new practices that we implemented institution by institution in response to COVID-19. Perhaps this is an opportunity to learn something about the criminal justice system. Maybe if we just call it something different, like instead of calling it, we released these people, maybe we call it prison from home. Remo- <laughs> remote imprisonment. Right. Remote prison. But really, because that, I mean, isn't that really what it is? Um, you know, if it works for your job, like, hey, why not? I don't know. Yes. Anyway. The, the rebranding of things is something that uh, one side of the political spectrum has learned far better than the other. Exactly. So, yes, rebranding, as long as we don't rebrand Sherpas. <laughs> here, here. I like the original Sherpa brand, Sherpa. <laughs> So do I, Alora. I have absolutely loved all of the extra time that I got to to spend uh, sharing thoughts and airtime with you. Uh, Matt's going to be back next week, and I look forward to hearing that show. Perhaps I'll be able to join the two of you again at some future time. I hope so, Andrew. We need you. We need your voice, and we need all of your input and your wisdom. So thank you for joining me today, and I can't wait to see you again. An absolute pleasure. See you next week, everyone. See ya. That's all for today, folks. If you like today's show, the conversation continues on Twitter at VaxonPod. That's V-A-X-O-N pod. Be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and tell all your friends to listen. Vaxon is a product of Offscript Media. Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Alora Nanos. Our senior producers are Brianna Seeley and Andrew McDowell. It is mixed and edited by Brianna Seeley. Our theme music is by Chair Model. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscript.com. Hit us up at contact at offscript.com to share comments, feedback, and make recommendations. For more information, visit offscript.com. <laughs>